<clears throat> I'm so glad Luke said all that because it's so often in our, in our sort of Western mindset, we're like, hey, let's get to the main thing. And actually sometimes with God, it's the little things that end up being the main thing. So I'm very humbled by all the amazing um, blessing and honor given this morning because I think that's the kind of stuff that really makes God's heart pump, you know. And I just want to maybe just piggyback on that before I start, but um, we, when we were looking for a church, we kept hearing what I like to term gospel gossip. We kept hearing about this Josh Jen church. It's a good thing, don't worry. It's not a bad gossip, yeah. So we kept hearing about this church, Josh Jen, who would like give cars away, and there was this like person who wanted to give away a kidney, and I was just like, no, that's a bunch of lunatics, man, you know. And... Um, but in my mind, it didn't make sense. But in my heart, it made perfect sense. Because that's what I read about in the book of Acts. It was the kind of church I want, it intrigued me. And I came to visit. And, and, you know, and I just think to myself this morning, like, could there be a correlation between me hearing that story of someone willing to give a kidney and, and the Lord pulling me towards a congregation? Like a saint's obedience to the Holy Spirit could bring someone to the pulpit to preach to a congregation. It's incredible how God uses us when we're faithful, eh? So, um, Annette this morning said to me, she said, you know, it's amazing how when someone preaches, you're often like, I've read it a hundred times. Why haven't I, I, why didn't I see that in my own quiet time? And I just wanted to encourage us this morning that the reason that the wisdom of God is foolishness to people. And if you think about the, the foolishness of one person coming up to give, I, mean, see, I see a bit of gray hair this morning, you know, and you could argue that there are many people older and wiser than me who's, oh, I'm getting close to 40, so we're getting there, but... But, um, but yeah, it, the, the, beauty of, the beauty of doing community together and unpacking the word together is like God's word is, is not single-dimensional. It's like a multifaceted diamond, and it's beautiful. When you get someone else that, that expresses truth in, oh, thank you so much, expresses, expresses truth through their revelation that God's given them, you get a beautiful multifaceted diamond. So I just want to encourage us this morning, like there is wisdom in preaching. You know, if you wanted to take it to... With technology, we could all be stuck in a Zoom call somewhere listening to the Pope. But thank goodness we don't. That's the wisdom of man, hey? Okay, for those who don't know me, I'm George, George Gower, married to Phil. Phil over there. And, um, and Luke's a hundred percent. Philippa, yeah. Philippa, Philippa. Thank you, Luke. <clears throat> As Angusiwe would say, it's a husband, uh, wife of, of George. Just in case. There's no sharing of wives at, at Josh Dennis. We, we each have our own. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So, yeah, so I'm married to four. I've got two kids, six and three, Zoe and Olivia. And, um, yeah, I'm so stoked to be here. The reason why I introduce myself is that the person preaching, you always you filter through the character of their life. So when Luke, when Luke gets up and shares something, you, you're always looking at the character. You're looking at his marriage. You're looking at his children. Because it's very easy to stand up here and, and profess truths, but if you're not living them, that's uh, it's cause for concern. So I'm just letting you know, if you want to Facebook stalk me, that's my name. <laughs> okay, guys, so Luke's, Luke's, Luke, Luke's, Luke felt a while ago to go through the wisdom literature of Proverbs, and um, he asked me to share some of the Proverbs. And, and at first, I was like, wow, man, this is, this is overwhelming, but uh I can't, I can't tell you the excitement that's been bubbling up within me because it's, it's what we need the most. We, we've, we've got a culture that knows so much and yet sometimes can apply it so little. And um, so there's also a beautiful promise that, that was made in the book of James 1.5. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generally, 
generous, generously to all without fault will be given to you. You know, I made a prayer when I read, when I was younger, I used to read the book of Ecclesiastes often. My friends thought I was quite weird, but I loved the wisdom literature. And, um, and so just excuse me, I'm, actually I'm losing my voice. So I'm, gonna, I'm powering through, I'm trusting it's an attack of the devil because the, the, the preach is so good that he's trying to, he's trying to silence me. <laughs> yeah. But I just want to encourage you, man, that God is so generous when it comes to wisdom. So what I'm really hoping this morning is that God's going to unpack stuff. That we're going to look through some of the, the Proverbs, and I'm really trusting that it's going to whet our appetites for us to go directly to the Holy Spirit and say, Lord, teach me. Make me wise beyond my years. Okay. <clears throat> I also, just as a side note, I did ask the elders... Um, if they felt anything, if they had a story, because when we come to the Proverbs, um, there is something that's quite beautiful. I'm sorry, I'm missing my notes here, but let me stick to my notes. Okay, so what I've done is I've asked the elders to come and share if they feel anything in, the, in terms of how to apply these Proverbs to our lives. They must come up and, and share quickly because there's time constraints. But I just want to give you some background into the guy that wrote the book of Proverbs because it gives us context the same way I introduced myself. It's a good way to introduce the author of the books. King Solomon was, was known as one of the wisest men to have ever lived. He lived thousands of years even before Plato, Aristotle, any of the modern philosophers. And what's interesting is he, he wrote three books of the Bible, Song of Songs, Proverbs, and Ecclesiastes. <clears throat> Song of Songs was written when he was very young and very much in love. And, and some commentators say that's probably why he forgot to mention God in the book. <laughs> so, <laughs> I thought that was quite funny. Um, he wrote Proverbs when he was middle-aged, <clears throat> and that's a, so Song of Songs is a book of the heart. Proverbs he wrote when he was my age, like a bit of a dad bod, he's got kids. And uh, that's a book of the will. And um, I often say like your middle age is actually the toughest time of your life. It's when you know that you, you, you've experienced life, you, you've been satisfied with what God's given you, and yet it's, it's very much a battle of the will. Sometimes you really have to choose in your 30s, it's not, you, you know, you don't live on passions and excitement, uh, you know, when you're in your 20s, you're, you're so excited for the things that God's called you to, and when you're in your 30s, he's given you the things you've called to, usually, I'm not pushing on you, but, but um, it's to choose to be satisfied and exercise your will, and then he wrote Ecclesiastes in his ripe old age, and that's a book of the mind, where he has major reflections on his life um, and how he's lived his life, but the beauty of the Proverbs is it teaches us two main things, don't worry, written everything down. Uh, the one thing is to fear God and to know that He is the all-seeing God. There comes a time in our life where we have to give an account. Like, that fear of God is the, is the difference between every other, other modern philosopher and, and the wisdom of the Bible. Some, some of the guys, I think it's like Plato, I think he's, don't, don't, it's either Plato or Aristotle, but the nexus of their whole thinking is that the, the main pursuit of man is happiness. And for me, I'm just like, shucks, man, you've sold yourself short. If, if all you aiming for is happiness, that's not enough. Because happiness is derived from a happening. So if something happens, you become happy. But, but what we call to is joy. Okay? That joy is irrespective of what happens. It doesn't matter what's happening in your life. You can, like a tree planted by a river, its roots are deep. Though the sun scorched or there's drought, or even if the river drives up, its roots are deep, deep, deep. And that's what we are like. So... Um, yeah, when, I, when you look at some modern philosophy, I actually feel sorry for them because they, haven't, they don't have that, the end focus in, in mind. Yeah. So the beauty of what we're going to talk about today is the chapters 27, 28, and 29, and they're some of the most penetrating thoughts of the book. 
Um, in, in, in the beginning, there's a lot of, of, of referencing other proverbs and, and so a lot of repetition, because I think that's also part of Solomon's wisdom, is that sometimes people need to hear it more than once. <laughs> Preacher George. <coughs> and um, it's like, come on. But um, so, yeah, so the beauty of, of chapters 27, 28, 29 is that they're not actually linked in any way. There's one subtle reference to Proverbs 22. But the, the beauty of Proverbs 27 is that each, each individual verse actually is its own little thought. It doesn't link to anything. So what that looks like is it's actually like, um, so, e- so each stands complete and each is like a jewel on its own. So what I'm doing today is I'm going to do some, some unpacking of each verse. And the beauty of it is that it's, I'm, not, I'm just looking at a verse by verse and, and looking at what to unpack in terms of uh, the exegesis of how we apply that to our own lives. Thousands years later. Right, so we can put up Proverbs 27 verse 1. <clears throat> and, and just in terms of time, guys, I'm going to go until Paul gives me the, there's like a little look you give me. Um, and I don't want to rush through things. I really want to unpack stuff. So if maybe we will turn this into a series. <laughs> Jokes. Okay. Proverbs 27 verse 1. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. Who remembers 2021? Hey? Sheesh, if there was ever a verse that's directly applicable to how we live now, oh my word. Who remembers uh, trying to plan for the next Sunday and all of a sudden we're on like wave 21 and level 47 and we've got to wear oxygen masks and stuff. And, and um, yeah, and I just want to, it's, it's so good to, to look at this because this, you know, this was written thousands of years ago. And again, it's, it's so applicable to us today. And um, what this is really dealing with is not, we was also hear what it's not saying. Um, it's not talking about don't plan, okay? Um, but what it's talking about is the heart, boast. That's what we're trying to get at is the boasting or the reliance on self. Um, I want to just sh- share a story from my heart. There was a time when I needed to earn more money in my job. And I, I sat down and I came up, I strategized this brilliant plan. I was like, right, I'm going to link up with this guy, and we'll start this, and we'll do that. And it's all based on this guy's knowledge. I'm going to really carve myself out a new role at the office, you know? That, like, two weeks later, this guy comes and he says, oh, I'm resigning. And I was like, oh, dear Lord. This is, like, this is the best plan I could come up with, you know? For those of you who don't know, I'm, I work with actuaries and stuff. Like, I, I shouldn't even be there. It's a miracle they even employed me. But, um... So it's not like a normal job where you can just study harder. It really is impossible. And, um, <laughs> and, and you know what? I, I did my very best. I, I came up with the best plan possible, um, and it didn't work. And in humility, I went back to the Lord, and I prayed. I said, Lord, you know, with a clean conscience, I've, man, I've tried. <laughs> I've, whew, I've strategized. Just spreadsheets that works. And I just gave it to him. And a little while, I forget the timelines, but a little bit later, um, my CTO and my CEO called me into a meeting. I was like, oh, I'm getting fired. I knew it. And um, they're like, George, we've got this new role, and we think you're perfect for it. And I was like, what? Okay. Uh, Yes. (laughs) So then I was like, wait, wait, is there a salary increase? They're like, definitely. I was like, oh, I'm going to think about it. (laughs) Let's just discuss, you know. Uh, meantime, in my heart, I'm just so excited because, you know, I, I gave my plans to the Lord. I did it with a clean conscience, and He broke through where, where I couldn't in my own, in my own strength. And um, 
Jesus also takes, takes this idea and actually expounds on it. And I don't know if you've got Luke 12, 16 to 21. There we go. And it's all in this parable, this is Jesus. The ground of a certain rich man <clears throat> produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what should I do? I have place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I'll store all my grain and my goods. Um, uh, 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 there we go. And then, uh, and I'll say to myself, I have plenty of good things later for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself and is not rich towards God. I'm not, I'm not stepping on Dave's finance teaching, okay? It's uh, not, not primarily about finance I want to unpack, but let's not boast about tomorrow. For those of us who don't know Jesus, let's, let's not boast in the fact that we're young, in the fact that we have time, that there's plenty of availability to go to church at a later stage. I'll go Christmas. I'll go Easter. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus and you don't know what tomorrow brings, I, I want to ask, I, I want to implore you, it's the most important decision of your life. Nothing else matters quite as much as making right with God. And I want to encourage us um, this morning. My voice is going, so I don't know if I'll be able to speak at the end, but Paul, no, I'm joking. No, c- come talk to us as elders the, the, straight off the meeting. If you, feel, if you feel like, man, I don't know what tomorrow holds. I I'm, I'm, I'm actually don't know. Then, then come talk. And for those of us who are disciples of Jesus, let's not put off for tomorrow what we can do today. Don't boast and, and, and be, think, ah, it's okay, I'll repent later, I'll, I'll make right with, with Andrew because we had a bit of a tiff, um, I'll do it tomorrow, coffee at 12. No, you do it now, you go straight off to church and you take Andrew for that coffee. Okay. Great. Lunch, maybe. I can do lunch. Actually, I can't do lunch, I'm having lunch with Ruin. Yeah. Okay, Proverbs 27, verse 2. Let another praise you and not your own mouth, someone else and not your own lips. Yo, I just want to say, in God's kingdom, there's no, there's no pressure, hey? Like, there is no pressure to even seek promotion or boasting or um, there's no climbing of ladders because we all live and breathe and have our being in, in Jesus. And... Um, I just want to say, avoid self-praise. If you choose self-praise, you will only be praised once and with an audience of one. Let someone else praise you and you'll be celebrated with many voices and in community. Such is the nature of the Trinity. You know, that's the very nature of God. God, even Jesus, he didn't choose self-promotion. He chose to defer. He chose to point to the Father and, um, and I think we've seen that this morning also with the elders' wives. Like, I, I know, I can say it, Phil's not here, she's gone, great. But, you know, she, Phil started a new job, she works hard, she's a mom, she's counseling people. This week, she was like, you need to go 7 o'clock in the morning to go help someone, like, connect the dishwasher. <laughs> and, you know, and, and, it's, and it's like, she's in touch, she's, so I, I might stand here, I might be the guy up front looking great in a white shirt, I'm just saying. But, um, but, you know, behind the scenes, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Phil gets rewarded more in heaven for all the things that are unseen. And I think it was so beautiful today. Is like, I, can, I, I know 
these, these, these ladies that are up front here, and not one of them is self-seeking, not one of them seeks promotion, not one of them strives or wants to be heard. And you know, the irony is, is we spend most of the morning letting them be heard. Hey, isn't that amazing? It's a beautiful outworking of, of this very specific thing. I thought it was very interesting, Jesus, especially in the book of Mark, you know, he goes around, and I think Jesus takes us to the next level. He goes around healing people, right, casting out demons. And the amazing thing for me is he keeps saying, just don't tell anyone, but you hear me. <laughs> and I just think, it's a, isn't that incredible, hey? If, look, I'm just saying, if I'm the Messiah, right, I'm going to cut down, I, I'm not, just for the visitors, I'm not the Messiah, but... <laughs> But, you know, if I've got, like, 30 odd years on the planet, I'm not going to spend 30 years being a carpenter and, like, three years of ministry. I'm probably going to flip it, you know, like, probably hit that, like, go Justin Bieber at the age of 13, just go international, you know? And, um, and, and Jesus doesn't do that. He doesn't do that at all. And you know what's so interesting is, is the, the voices that really promoted him were the demons. I don't know if you guys have picked that up. So in, like, Mark 5, verse 6, the demon shouted his title, as Jesus, Son of God, the Most High, what do you want from me? Have you, come to, have you come to judge me or condemn me or whatever? And I'm like, it's so weird. Like, yeah, you've got Jesus, like, desperately trying to keep who he is to himself, but the demons are shouting at the rooftops who he is. You know, I just, I'm just throwing it out there as something very fascinating. Yeah. And, and also, I just want to point out... <clears throat> That, that parable in Matthew 25, verse 21, where Jesus is telling a story about the, the master and the servant, where the, the master says, well done, my good and faithful servant. And um, I just find that profound, because if we're living for that one day, if, if we are living for the audience of one, where everything we do is for Jesus, we're not doing it for ourselves, we're not doing it because, because um, it's, what, it's part of our five-point spiritual growth plan, we're doing it for, 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 for Jesus himself. And that's ultimately what we want to hear is, well done, you good and faithful servant. And I'm telling you, if, if that's your goal, you, you're not going to settle for the prayers of people. You're not going to want the Kali to say, hey, but I'm a lekker preacher. I mean, it, it won't hurt if he does, but if it, you know, <laughs> I'm saying if he doesn't, it's, it's fine, you know? And, and I also just want to just mention, like, just the role, uh, uh, you know, we've been talking about potential deacons, and it's been so beautiful, like, when Luke's mentioning names, and we're like, yes, that's a, isn't that amazing, hey? And the world, the world will first seek promotion and position, and then move into that, where God's kingdom is very different. You know, often people act like elders before they're ordained into eldership, or they act like deacons before they're ordained, because they're living for one, they're living for God, they, they, they're being diligent and faithful to what God's called them to. And once they behave like elders or deacons, they, they get acknowledged as it. So I just want to let you know, like, don't, don't wait to become a calm leader. Don't wait, you know, to get some, some sort of authority. Just live for an audience of one. Great. <clears throat> yeah. Proverbs 27, verse 3. A stone is heavy and sand a burden. But provocation by a fool is heavier than both. <laughs> hey? Imagine preaching on this, eh? Yay! <clears throat> I'm have a water break, yeah. <laughs> no, but jokes aside, 
you know, there's such, there's such a beauty in the scriptures. And um, you often find Jesus, like, having his quiet times in Deuteronomy, and you'll reference the Old Testament. And sometimes in our mindset, we think news better. You know, it's like iPhone users. They get a brand new, they spend like 20,000 rand on an iPhone, and they like, they like upload, I don't know, sync it or whatever, and it looks like exactly the same as the old one. And it's beautiful because you get the same experience, but you just pay a lot of money for the same thing, you know? And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not preaching against Apple, don't, don't hear me, but I just don't get it. I just, you spend 20,000 rand for the same thing, it baffles me. And sometimes we think newer is better, and the New Testament obviously is the new covenant. Don't hear what I'm not saying. The new covenant is amazing and beautiful, but there's such wisdom and such beauty in the Old Testament. And I want to encourage you, the, the same way Jesus had his quiet times uh, in, in, in the old uh, Torah and the books of the Bible, there's, there's so much to be mined there. So don't neglect the Old Testament. And I wonder if you can bring up Matthew 18, verses 23 to 25, so I can prove prove my theory. So Jesus says this, tells a story, a parable. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began, to, as he began the settlement, a man owed him 10,000 talents, which is a, it's like a lot of gold. It's like a treasure chest of gold. He brought it to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. Okay, next one. Marry wisely. Okay, guys. Hear what I'm not saying. <clears throat> the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I'll pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled his debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, which is like a hundred rand. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I'll pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay back the debt. When the other servants saw what happened, they, to- they were greatly distressed and told their master everything that had happened. The master called the servant in, your wicked servant. He said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And in anger, the master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay back what he owed. It's a powerful, powerful um, parable, and I'm going to link back to that. So my understanding is that a, like if you look at the, the Proverbs 27, verse 3 again, if we just leave that on the, on the screen, stone is heavy and sand is a burden, but provocation by a fool is heavier than both. Now, my understanding of a stone is that a stone is heavy, it's something too big and unreasonable to move. It's often used or designed to block or crush someone. Sand is the same thing, but just on a smaller scale and at opposite ends of the spectrum. It's lots of small particles that can gather large enough to bury a city. Now, sand has no handles and it is impossible to grasp. Now, in, in, the, in the story of the parable of the unforgiving debtor, Jesus is basically taking the response of a fool and just showing how impossible it is to deal with someone like that. And um, so the fool's solution was to imprison the man until he could pay him back. Gosh, imagine being in jail and trying to earn money. And this is, look, this is before remote working, okay? There's no Zooming from prison. There's no logging in remotely. There's no, this is, this is old school prison, okay? There's no working. So his solution, which was to imprison the man until he could pay back his money, is ludicrous. 
Okay, it doesn't lead to repentance. It doesn't lead to redemption. It leads nowhere. In fact, they both lose. Okay? The guy who wants his money is basically cutting off his nose to spite his face. Both of them will end up losing. Um, now, a wise man will always seek ways of redemption and restoration. And, 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 that, and, <clears throat> and that applies to us, eh? because I love the, the picture language of a stone is heavy and sand is a burden, because when we, we don't want to live our lives like that. We don't want to be foolish in how we deal. So if you've, if you, if you've got a problem with uh, Rian, we've all been there, and... Um, <laughs> No, I'm joking. Rian's like the nicest guy. I don't think anyone doesn't like Rian. But hypothetically, you, you, anyway, you've you got a problem with Rian, right? <clears throat> Before you go to Rian, chip away at your stones. Okay. Make them into manageable pieces. Go to God. Make sure you check your own heart. Make sure that you found peace with the Lord before you seek counsel. So often people come with problems and they just, they just back, back the truck up and they just offload this, this like sand in your driveway and you're like oh gosh like this is a lot eh? i'm just gonna pick it up by hand oh this is not going for well and um yeah so i just want to i just want to say there's there's wise there's wise ways to deal with things and there are, are foolish ways um for the night of the night we had a we had a <clears throat> misalignment of expectations <laughs> yeah i'm coming clean guys i'm telling you my side of the story now you if you want to know full side of the story, you can email her. But um, I'll tell you what happened, you know. And um, but both of us, we we, we sometimes you're just not in a good space or in a bad mood, and we both went away and sought the Lord. And we both both spent time reading the scriptures, and I prayed for my wife. I prayed for her. I was like, Lord, bless her, help her, give her revelation as you give me revelation, because show me show me where I don't see things. And she did the same. And you know what the beautiful the beautiful thing about that is that you come back together with manageable pieces that you can actually turn into building blocks. So those issues and things and whatever, you can actually mix in the cement and use it to build. Um, and I often say, you know, the beauty about marriage is that you, all, those, all that junk that gets given to you if, you, if you turn it into something good, you end up building a foundation, um, which actually, even the worst times in marriage, looking at you guys, eh? you, uh, you build into something beautiful. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, and, I, and just also the encouragement for us, also for this this provocation, or, or, or is when provoked by friends and foes, because that's normal, guys. It's so normal to have people poke you in life. It's totally you should ex- anticipate it. It's not if things go wrong. It's normally a case of when. But I want us to be also to display the same love that Christ showed us. You know, and not and not retaliate like the fool. Sorry, that was a bonus. I shouldn't cross over that one. Keep going. Proverbs twenty-seven, verse four. Anger is cruel, <clears throat> and fury overwhelming. But who can stand before jealousy? Eh? If anyone's watched Seven Delan, you know what I'm talking about. Eh? <laughs> that was a test. You failed. <laughs> Jokes. So wrath and anger are usually caused by external provocation and are a response to an action or an event. So it's normally like a response to something that happens. Liz, you confirm? Cool. Um, jealousy is different. 
And that it can start from, from being grieved by another person's happiness or abundance. And it can grow and fester in our hearts without us even knowing it. Making it less discernible. And therefore the malevolent outcomes more unavoidable. And, and it's interesting because there are things that, that lack jealousy. You can fester in your hearts and you can be totally unaware of it. And, um, and I just want to bring out the importance of, of cultivating. Don't worry about your external facade. Don't worry about how you perceive by people or how things will look. But rather spend time cultivating the garden of your heart. That's, that's what Jesus is ultimately concerned about. He's not worried about um, what you look like on the outside or what you wear. He's ultimately concerned about who you are on the inside. Because the crazy thing is, is that when we leave this planet, all our achievements and all the things that we've unlocked, <laughs> sort of a lame story, like, I don't know if you guys know Minecraft, the game. No, no, do you know that? Well, busted. Don't play Minecraft. <clears throat> it's for children. It's for children, people. <laughs> but uh, imagine if I told you that I'm level 204 on Minecraft and I've got all these epic... You know, like I've built this kingdom and it's amazing and I've owned like a thousand llama things and I don't, I don't actually play Minecraft, I just watch a documentary on it, but <laughs> fascinating, fascinating. But um, yeah, but it's, you know, imagine, imagine if I told you all that, like I've spent hours and hours and hours and I've, I've accrued all this like epic Minecrafty stuff and, you know, when I, when I come back into the real life, it accounts for nothing. You know, it's, it's, it's not transferable into, into Zar Ront or a USD, you know? It's literally on the internet and that's where it stays. And our lives are actually the same. Whatever we strive for and often are jealous about is stuff that we can't, we can't take with us, you know? And um, yeah, I just want to encourage us that the sort of purity of our hearts is of utmost importance and there is a danger in, in allowing things to fester in our hearts. Hmm. Okay. I just wanted also to say, so I've got like mac fuzz in my mouth. <laughs> it's a real thing, eh? No, no one warns you about this. <clears throat> but I also just want to encourage you about purposefully inviting the Holy Spirit to search your hearts regarding this kind of stuff. Sometimes there's stuff in our hearts. Um, I love what Andrew Silly says about blind spots. We, he said to someone the other day, no, it's a blind spot. And the guy was like, well, listen, if it's a blind spot, why can't I see it? <laughs> eh? And he's like, because it's a blind spot. It's the very definition. <laughs> Which I thought was amazing. I was like, yeah, like sometimes you can't see stuff. You know how often I say to Phil, I'm like, how's it look? She's like, what? My hair. It's terrible. I'm like, oh, thank you. Because like, I can't see it. It's, it's, it's part of me. It's on me. It's probably like it's there, but I have no idea. Like, you know, not to draw attention to myself. Okay. Proverbs 27, verses 5. Yo. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Okay? Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Now we're getting, as Nacho Libre would say, we're getting down to the nitty-gritty. <laughs> down to the man, uh, the nucleus of a man. So secret love is, is, <laughs> secret love is that which never discloses itself in acts of kindness, not even in an open rebuke where needed. So there's a dynamic tension in love and that dynamic tension is the tension between tough love and tender love. Okay. 
what happens in Western cultures, we, I think in Greek culture, they had like a litany of words used to describe the different facets of love. What we often do is we simplify things into its, its essence. We call it love. But it's a, a love is a four-letter word which is hardly suitable to cover the, the vast fullness of what we experience in human, in human love. And um, it's, I say this because we, we're going, as a church, we're going through a season now. We've been through the winter, right? We've been through the lockdowns. We've been through God taking away, sorry, not God, the government, no jokes, not the government. God allowing things to be taken away from us. Uh, this is not recorded, eh? So, so the thing is, we, we've, had, we've had a season of, I mean, uh, you remember in Young Ferry Vic High School, our worship was pumping. Like, you'd have to, like, push people away and, like, go back. Not really, but it was beautiful. And the prophetic. And I remember, I remember visiting Josh Jen, and I was like, oh, it's the welcome team. I was like, oh, there's no welcome team. It's just a whole bunch of people super friendly. And then there'll be people standing up and saying, hey, we're going to, like, Angus Eva this morning. She was like, I, I felt this to do this. She hasn't been appointed. She hasn't been part of the let's make elders feel loved team, you know? Like, I saw people stand up here and go, like, oh, we've got an outreach to UCT. And I was like, oh, that's amazing. They're obviously part of the outreach team. And I was like, no, that's just people that felt like, I was like, that's incredible that people just listen to the Holy Spirit and are called. That's wild, eh? I digress. So the tension, the tension. Oh, the reason why I said that is because in our next season we're going into what feels like a season of of growth. It's going to feel like a season of fruitfulness, where where things bloom. I don't know about you guys, but like when you get to your middle age, eh, I remember seeing my parents grovel in the dirt when they were older. Like they work hard the whole week, right? And then on the weekends they spend all their time in the dirt gardening. And I never understood. I was like, Mom, just pay someone, surely. Like there's there's freedom. You can you don't have to do this, you know. <laughs> And she was like, no, but I, I love it. And I was like, man, this makes no sense. Why would you choose to grovel in the dirt on your weekends? I, and as I get close to 40, I realize now there's such joy in, in tending the land. I have a lemon tree that I watch. And I, I... <laughs> What's so funny? <laughs> huh? You don't have a lemon tree? You get a citrus and we'll talk, eh? Yeah. <clears throat> Anyway, but I'm pedantic about my lemon tree. I, um, I go and I check, and I get that mealy bug, and it's annoying, and I think, oh, whoa. And I've got ants which are feeding on the mealy bugs and the aphids, and I have to think of ways to like, protect it from the ants and whatever. And, and it's so, so rewarding. But you know what? Even in, a, in, a, in the summertime where your, your, your citrus is fruiting, it's got these beautiful blossoms, and the other day we had schnitzels, and the girls were like, oh, lemon, Dad? And I said, yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Eh? <clears throat> and it's for free as well. You go, you go buy a lemon at the shops, guys. It's like four rand or something. Ridiculous. <laughs> but um, yeah, but I absolutely, I absolutely love it. But the point, the point of my citrus tree is that though it's fruiting and though it's growing and though I've given it the fertilizer, I've done everything right. I still need to check on it. There's still things. Still wants to grow in a funny direction, and I have to keep pruning it to the one way. And it still, still gets attacked by these weird bugs that I have to check and whatever and it's the same thing for us right okay there's going to be where there's massive growth there's things go wrong it's it's normal we're not called to be a perfect church we're called to be a holy church and sometimes what that looks like it means the elders will have to take you aside and they will say hey i love you too much to let you keep going in this direction i see stuff in your life that i think needs to change and and we need to understand that that is love okay 
And that can also, it's not just the elders and, and the saints, it's actually in every, it's every relationship. It's friend to friend. I'll get into that in the next verse. There's also um, husband and wives, which I'll also get in the next verse. Uh, parents and children, elders and saints I've mentioned, and then God and his children. I tell you, you know, there's a, this, what, the story about God disciplines the children that he loves, and the, uh, Phil was once doing a, a big event, and she went, she, she drove through the township, and this guy had to stop the car. This kid ran across, because the kid had run across the road, and he pulled the kid and gave the kid a smack and told the kid to go back to his mom. And Phil was like, yo, do you know that child? And he's like, no, no, no. In, in our community, we discipline, you know, we make sure the kids, we parent each other's kids. And I was like, oh, that's incredible. <laughs> wow. So, so anyway, so, but ask me if you want to smack my child. Just come and check with me first. It's, diff- it's different for different families. And... Um, but, but the, the, the point of the story is that Jesus, God disciplines those he loves because he wants you to grow. He wants to see you come into the fruitfulness of what he's put inside of you. So there's a real beauty to when you go through a season or a time of, of discipline or correction, just know it's because he loves you. And, and it's kind of like, you know, if you had a party and all, everyone else's kids are hanging off the rafters and jumping off the roof, okay. But if my kids are going to do it, no ways, man. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to them about how to behave properly because I'm responsible and I love them. Okay. <clears throat> and, uh, man, something I just want to throw out there, and something I've noticed as well, is that often as us, as growing up, we, we see in our own families uh, an excessive swing towards one, either t- soft love or tough love. And what ends up happening is we, we counterbalance too much. So I don't know about you guys, but I, I grew up in a home where I thought the word Jesus Christ was actually a swear word. I didn't know that that was actually like God's name. Because when things went wrong, like that word was used often. Um, and so I had unlearned that and I was like, sure. And, and, and there's something about uh, masculinity which is not submitted. Uh, I'm not bad-mouthing my dad. I'm saying in general. Uh, masculinity that is not submitted to headship or authority often manifests as like, it, it, you'll see guys that just have a bubbling anger that just like, can just like, like this. And you're like, oh, where did that come from, you know? So often what happens, and I've seen it in, in my marriage, and I've seen it in other marriages of my generation, what we often happens is then we, we swing to the opposite end of the spectrum where we're too soft. Okay, we let our wives get away with, we're just like, as long as you're okay, you know? And I just, want, I just wanted to say that as a, and I'm not, don't, I'm not saying be hard on your wives, that's not the goal. Hey, Phil? Because <laughs> sometimes we can, we, can, we can swing to the opposite extreme, and we repent. Okay. But... Um, <laughs> But there is, a, there is a beauty of knowing that there is a tension to be held. There is the tension of the fullness of love, not just one expression of soft love, other expression of, of tough love. Sometimes you have to say no in love, and sometimes you have to be tender. And it's about you. And unfortunately, it means you have to listen to the Holy Spirit. You, you can't default to just one answer for every situation. Yeah. Okay. Great. Proverbs 27, verse 6. Oh, man, this, guys, this is the ruby. This is the ruby of, of 27 for me. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but the enemy multiplies kisses. Um, okay. Can you put on Numbers 21 verses 8 to 9? That's a belief. So what I'm trying to do here is, uh, welcome to those of you who haven't been <clears throat> 
So what I'm doing with the, the numbers is just to show you, oh, sorry, numbers 21 versus 8 to 9. I don't think I gave this to you, so it's my fault. Actually, yeah, I'll keep going. It's, um, it's basically the story of the bronze serpent. So the Israelites are in the desert, and, and they're grumbling, and they're being like Israelites. And God sends all these little snakes, and the snakes keep biting them. So Moses goes to God, and he says, God, yeah, don't worry about it. I'll just, I'll just, you guys can read it in your quiet time. Now I'm going I'm to summarize the um, George Jen version. And, oh, tough crowd. <laughs> and what happens, so what happens is all these snakes are biting people, and then, and then, so Moses goes to God. He's like, God, like, I don't know what to do. These snakes are biting people. Now, the Lord's solution was, he says to Moses, Moses, I want you to go make a bronze serpent, okay, craft a bronze serpent, and I want you to put it on a staff. And put that staff over there, and then when, when the, whoever gets bitten must go look at the staff. And in, like, interestingly enough, if you go into an ambulance, a hospital, a doctor's room, anything medical, right? It's got the, it's got the staff with, with a snake wrapped around it. Hey? Isn't that interesting? Even to this day, we acknowledge that story of the bronze serpent in Numbers 21. But that's another preach. Um, and in my, and in my thinking, I think to myself, like, surely, Lord, if you've created the snakes, why not remove the snakes? What is the purpose of um, placing a bronze serpent for for the Israelites to look at? And um, and that's a, it's a beautiful example of it's actually a beautiful parallel story to the story of Jesus, right? So Jesus himself. We can, 40 minutes of me landing. Okay, don't worry. Okay. No, so the, the, beauty, the beauty of this one is, is that God forces the Israelites to look at the very thing that's causing them injury to find redemption. And Jesus became sin on the cross, right? Um, I don't know if I can quote this, but even Jordan Peterson was saying, like, for, in terms of, like, from his avenue of psychology, which I'm not endorsing, I'm just observing, is he was saying that what, the thing that he got from this story was um, he said, it's interesting that in psychology, you, the very thing that's causing you pain, if you face it, you gain victory, right? So you don't run away from, from your pain. You actually go towards it. Like, so when you have issues with someone, you go talk to them. You know, when, you, when you don't forgive and you hold things in your heart, actually that manifests um, and, and, and you don't ever find breakthrough and redemption. And... Um, I just want to tell you a quick, I'm coming to land on my, my story on this for, for me, which is very tangible and palpable, is Phil and I went to a friend's birthday once, and um, I was jokey, and one of the, my friends, someone in her community actually said to her, are George and Phil okay? And, I, and she was like, yeah, they're fine. Why? She said, no, like, his sense of humor is just a little bit, um, it just seemed a bit, his jokes a bit sharp, you know? And uh, look, I do have a peculiar sense of humor. I, I, I own that. But she, she phoned Phil and was like, Phil, you guys, I think you guys are fine, but are you fine? Because this is what someone else said. And she said, I'm worried that someone who doesn't know you potentially thinks you're not even a Christian because of how you talk to your wife. I was cut to my core. And I was angry. And whenever there's anger, it's indicative of there actually being a problem, right? And um, do you know what I did is I, I went and I, like, I searched my heart and I was like, I don't see it, eh? I don't see the I don't see the problem with my joking or my marriage or, and end up what I did is I felt I felt to email five of 
my closest buddies who were actually my groomsmen at my wedding. And four of them replied, George, you're a great husband. You've done so well. Yeah, you jokes a bit um, quirky sometimes, but you're fine. And I had one guy, Brian Sayer, who, um, Brian, <clears throat> you know, he, he had the courage to say to me, George, you know what? I'd say 95% of your jokes are fine. There is that 5% that has a little bit of venom. It's almost like the frustration in the early days of your marriage where you just want to see things work and they're not yet. So, so you, you, you're cutting. There are some jokes which are slightly cutting. And it broke me. Eh? I, was, I was like, oh, gosh, how, I didn't even see that. And the person that I'm supposed to be loving the most, I'm actually hurting without even realizing it. And, um, yeah, and I, and I took that to God and I found redemption and I, and I, asked, I repented and I asked for forgiveness. And I actually went to this friend of ours and said, I just want to say thank you so much for, I think I sent her an email. And, um, yeah, sorry, I'm just checking my notes here. Yeah, and, and that for me, that for me is, because it's all about repentance. None of us are perfect. None of us are born into perfect families with perfect ways of thinking. And God puts us in these big families for a reason. Because you might grow up in a certain way and think a certain way and assume that your way of doing life is correct. And I'll tell you what, repentance is, is, means to rethink, reconsider your ways. And that's the whole purpose for, for this verse for me is wounds from friends can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. You know, you know, the world will tell you you don't need to change. At least you're perfect just the way you are. Maybe you're born with it. Maybe it's Maybelline, but you just don't change, you know? And I tell you, and you know what Jesus says to us? He says, you must change. You must continually Die to self, continually seek my kingdom, continually become holy, put your life on the altar. So I just want to encourage us, I'm going to land there now, but I just want to encourage us that in this season, um, don't, don't underestimate the power of, of speaking truth into people, and, and, and truth in love, people, truth in love, okay? When you go to someone, bring it in a, in a, in a loving way, and um, yeah, I'm going, to, I'm going to land it there. Is that cool? Yeah. Do you mind if I pray for us? Okay.